every single marketer and every single brand should be attempting to earn a disproportionate share of conversation. If you work for an organization where they say, bring us a chart that goes up and to the right, you have a challenge. Half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. The trouble is, I don't know which half. I am here to inspire you, to excite you, to motivate you, to transform you, to energize you. Hello and welcome to Demand Gen Visionaries. This episode features an interview with Suku Krishnaraj, CMO of Sumo Logic. Suku is a seasoned senior executive with extensive experience scaling growth at companies like AppFrog, HP, CenturyLink, and SolarWinds. On this episode, Suku explains why the CMO's primary role is to solve problems, how to never lose sight of marketing's role in driving revenue, and the importance of having empathy for your customers. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Qualified.com. If you are a B2B marketer who has always dreamed of knowing when a qualified prospect is on your site and being able to talk to them instantly, now you can. Learn more at Qualified.com. So now, please enjoy this interview between Suku Krishnaraj, CMO of Sumo Logic, and your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Demand Gen Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, CEO of Caspian Studios, and today I am joined by special guest, Suku. How are you? I'm doing great, Ian. Thanks for having me. Excited to have you on the show. Sumo Logic is a hot tech company, and uh, we want to get under the hood and learn how you're doing demand gen, how you're doing marketing, and we'll learn about you as well. What was your first job in demand gen? Yeah, sure. Just take you back a couple of decades. I graduated with a computer science engineering degree. I was a developer for the first six, seven years. Then for the longest time in between the, you know, the early 2000s, I ran products. It's about building, creating products, working with customers. And, you know, if you ask me, I'm I'm a product guy at heart. And my first exposure to demand gen or growth, if you will, we'll talk about that, um, was when I was at SolarWinds. Uh, SolarWinds uh, is a company that markets and sells IT management products almost 28 of them. I don't know where they are right now in terms of the number of products portfolio. I got exposed to the high velocity engine where you directly go market and sell to the practitioners like the sysadmins, IT ops folks, and and you do it at scale. You do it hundreds of thousands of users, right? Um, I, uh, that was in 2009, 2010. And I, I became really passionate about it because when you're building a product strategy, you are thinking through your customers, you're building your products, you're also thinking about the go-to-market. That was a perfect nexus for me. And uh, that was my first exposure. And ever since, I've been a CMO at a developer company where we amassed hundreds of thousands of users in a very short span of time. Then I went on to be a GM to run a cloud business unit. And now I'm at Sumo Logic. So for our listeners who don't know, tell us a little bit about Sumo Logic. Yeah, absolutely. The company started 10 years ago. And what we do is we provide a cloud SaaS platform that has the ability to ingest, take in volumes of data at scale, petabytes of data. And we apply machine learning and AI to deliver insights to different sets of buyers. We'll talk about the personas 
the insights will allow our customers to ensure anywhere from their customer experiences, their customers' experiences are exceptional. They can get ahead of keeping their systems up and running. They can proactively mitigate threats. They can gain insights on their product adoption. They can release their code faster. So we provide this intelligence. We call this the continuous intelligence platform, which essentially targets the different personas. We have 15, 16 of them, and we deliver these insights for them in a real-time basis and gives you the means to troubleshoot problems in case something goes wrong. So we are one of those um, companies where it's fast-growing, and we're at the middle of the analytics space, the application performance, and then the security sim space. It's kind of, uh, we address massive markets there. And uh, and recently you graduated from the Cloud 100, the list of private cloud companies and became a public company. Obviously, you know, our, our listeners can go check out that. But any changes to, to you as being a, a public CMO now? Uh, do you feel different? Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, definitely, the aspirations are bigger now, for sure. Um, but it's an interesting question, Ian. It takes me back very, very fond, fond memories of. Uh, I joined the company five years ago, and uh, I mean, we didn't have a whole lot in terms of the systems, the processes, or being able to do B two B marketing at scale. I've been in B two B industry for twenty five years, but there was a lot of fixing that we had to do, and very fortunate to have the right team in place. So now we're after the market's right in front of us. It's growing fast. And we are I'm putting in the infrastructure to how do we scale it. What I do on a day-to-day basis still remains the same. It's really about laying out a strategy and ensuring what are the problems that we are fixing on a daily basis. It's a, it's a problem solving. CMO's job at the end of the day is to solve problem. And I uh, just to take a page from the notebook of uh, what your podcast with Chandar, I pretty much subscribe to what he's saying, which is demand gen is one of the things, right? I mean, I really think of my role as growth, partnering with the e-staff, partnering with the sales CRO and our chief customer officer to drive growth. Growth in, in with respect to two things. One is how do we acquire net new logos, net new customers at scale? and how do we continue to market to our existing install base? So none of that has changed. If anything, the pressure's bigger. We are a public company, but it is a significant milestone for our investors, for our employees, as well as for the company. Thanks for uh, thanks for bringing that up. Of course, yeah, it's a, it's an awesome milestone and cool to have you on uh, on the show right uh, right after that to be able to talk about you know the previous five years that got you to that point. Let's get into our segment, The Trust Tree. With the knowledge you've been given, you are now on the inside of what I like to call the circle of trust. What, I thought we were in the trust tree in the nest, are we not? This is where we can go to feel honest and trusted, and you can share those deepest, darkest demand gen secrets. You touched on a little bit about your demand gen strategy about growth, but who is your target persona? Who is your uh, your customer, your market, your buying committee? Let's start with the companies. You know, it touches on the go-to-market strategy we have. So we we sell our customers are anywhere from the smallest of the companies, the SMBs, 
a single developer shop all the way to the biggest of the companies, some big names, um, Major League Baseball or Airbnb or Netflix. So from a strategy perspective, we have wide coverage because everyone's got a need to uh, for analytics. Everyone's, all companies that are going through a digital transformation are becoming more data-driven. They, they have a need for more insights. So we have this continuous intelligence platform that can be tailored to any size company. That is the significant differentiation that we have, but all in the cloud, all offered as a service, as a SaaS service. So within those customers, we target like three specific personas, and, and there are 15 to 23 different titles you can I, I can enumerate. But one big one is the operations persona that goes anywhere from the DevOps to site reliability engineers to sort of the classic operations folks that are responsible for keeping their systems up and running on a day-to-day basis. That's that's a big market for us. Second is security. Cybersecurity, as you know, you know, pre-COVID, post-COVID, it doesn't matter. It, it's in the forefront of every CIO's mind. How do I keep my data, my customers' data, my perimeter secure? So we provide, our platform uh, provides the solution to these security professionals, uh, CISOs and security analysts, SOC, Security Operations Center, to do their jobs better, uh, to eliminate, to hunt down the threats and eliminate them. And then the third is really around the business analytics, um, anywhere from customer support to product management to lines of businesses that really want to understand how their products are getting adopted in the market. So we gather all of this data and provide insights to them. So so therein lies the challenge, right? So we have vertically, we have smallest of the company to the biggest, and then we have three distinct set of buying personas to who we sell to. So uh, the strategy needs to align with how do you maximize the reach? How do you market to these folks? And how do you bring them back to expand much more with us? And so what does your team look like? How do you how do you organize the team to to acquire those accounts? Yeah, totally. So for the mid-market, the small to the mid-market, you know, how we do this is uh, we apply a bottom-up approach. We use digital to drive demand and we have a self-service premium offering that's the hook. We get them to try the service and we have a incredibly sticky product and a platform. So once the users start to try on, it's a natural buyer's journey that they will take on to get sign on with us and gain that land, right? And then on the enterprise side, we look to very targeted marketing and selling in terms of we're using account-based approaches and we do targeted events, digital including, to drive demand there. So my team has to span the entire gamut so I have a digital team, all things responsible for driving digital advertising, di- digital the website, and getting um, getting the word out, right? D- driving awareness and, and leads and whatnot. Then I have a, I brought on a leader to run self-service. There is so much opportunity there for us to land net new logos at a much faster rate. Then I do have a demand gen team. That's why I call my job as growth. A demand gen team that is responsible for um, field marketing, that is responsible for account-based strategy, uh, named accounts, working closely with SDRs, 
at driving net new as well as servicing our existing customers. Then I have a partner marketing function. Uh, it's an ecosystem of partners, both on the security and the operation space is growing. So we want to capitalize on that. Then product marketing also reports into me. Product marketing split by persona. It's a persona-based marketing. Then I also have a team that um, it's a it's a brought on a new leader to drive competitive. We're in a highly competitive market. He runs competitive marketing for us. So I think I covered the gamut of everything around growth. Then my peer was the chief customer officer, chief communications officer. Um, he runs brand. ARPR and large corporate events, including our flagship user conference called Illuminate. So we work very closely together and we've been together for five years. So that should give you a sense of how, how we are structured. Yeah, you know, and it's so interesting that you have a you have a colleague that runs comms that's kind of like that more brand voice. It really kind of uh, solidifies that chief marketing officer role as like the revenue driving function there, it kind of seems like. It absolutely is, Ian. I think this came up in other conversation as well on your other podcasts. We really are a revenue marketing team. I work very, very closely with our CRO. We've come to trust each other and mutually respect each other. And we we put the things on the table and we, we solve together very transparently. So, you know, marketing is, if it's not to drive revenue, I, I don't know what it is, right? So it's... Uh, Ultimately, it's the closed one revenue. And it's been a journey. I, I can't claim that we got this right from a team standpoint from the get-go. But it's really about, you know, every functional team has their own KPIs, right? Oh, I got to hit my MQL goal. I got to hit my self-service goal. I got to hit my number of programs as a partner. But none of that matters if you're not working cross-functionally. With the closed one revenue at the end of the day, that is really the goal. And I would say I focus a lot on putting a framework in place and putting the right people in right places to drive cross-functional campaigns, because ultimately that's where I've seen the majority of the success. So um, to your point, um, it's really a revenue revenue marketing uh, operations. And I do have marketing ops under demand gen, uh, super data-driven, and uh, you know that helps us stay focused on what we need to drive for our business. So, you know, you mentioned the cross-functional nature there, you know, and, and I'm sure that there's even some of the brand plays and things like that, like your customer conference and things that play into that. But can you talk about kind of like the cross-functional nature of those campaigns that you're running? Yeah, absolutely. On a quarterly basis, we look at going after a specific market segment and a persona, either via marketing a net new service or capitalizing on on a trend that you're seeing your customers on. I would define that. I would bring in a cross-functional team, which is driven in a cadence on a bi-weekly or a monthly basis with a specific goal and what we need to attain. The goal ultimately gets to the revenue. Of course, we break it down into the intermediate steps of the funnel, but ultimately it's the revenue, net new logo uh, acquisition or install base expansion. So I would have digital team, I would have the demand gen team, I would have the brand team and product marketing, where we would define the messaging, specific set of messaging and a target market, and the team would design the tactics that is required to get there. 
And sometimes these campaigns are short running with a very specific purpose of uh, taking a competitive message in the market, or they're long running, right? We have several campaigns that are longer running where you're continually going back and and essentially taking these buyers and customers through a journey. Ultimately, you have to drive a journey. And that is one thing that campaigns has helped me do is look at the customer as a whole. It's their entire life cycle. Don't look at them just on the digital footprint on the web or on the event, et cetera. So uh, that has helped bridge the teams together. In fact, you extend that back into the sales teams as well. So there is a complete end-to-end mapping there. Yeah, and it seems like you have just a, a very different motion for your self-service, obviously, than than your enterprise. And so marketing to those two groups of people, like, yeah, there's going to be crossover, but a lot of that stuff is is a totally different, you know, beast. Totally different beast. You're spot on, Ian. So for a self-service standpoint, it is, you know, first and foremost, it's uh, your throughput is only as good as what comes in the top of the funnel, right? So you focus a lot on getting your eyeballs to the market using mainly digital, uh, the search engine, the paid social, the social publishing, there's some email nurture, bring them in. And we do a a lot of experimentation on our website. Given the diversity of the personas and the product offerings we have, how do you put the right message in front of the right person, right buyer? Buyer can be a decision maker or a practitioner, but mainly we focus from a self-service practitioner. We we are personalizing the web specific to these personas. And then um, when they convert, then the freemium team is essentially helping these users onboard onto the platform. It's a very technical conversation. Buyer, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to monitor your AWS apps? Are you trying to monitor Azure Um, So if they're stuck, getting them through that trial and through a successful result, right? So digital, by and large, is our highest converting channel, especially the self-service. It's a very, very different motion. And it's all about scale. And it's, it's all about how do you identify those people that have an intent? That's not telling you they have an intent, but they're doing various things across the web. That is indirectly telling you in some way you put it all together. It's about bringing them in and hooking them into the self-service. That's a very different motion compared to enterprise account-based approaches where you know which accounts you want to go after. Of course, there are hand raisers you, you need to identify inside enterprises as well, but very different motion. Yeah. So what are some of those intent signals? Yeah. Um, great question. Look, it's all the traditional ones that we have capitalized on, but I will talk about the ones that we're trying to do, um, the signals we're trying to identify. So we do the search engine, and there are specific keywords that folks are searching for. Once they come onto the site, we do all of the digital tactics around remarketing, follow them through the internet and get them more brand awareness, et cetera. And there are specific actions that they take. We know exactly which pages are, which areas of the web that they go to that that show a higher intent. Now we are trying to complement that with the intent signals from the accounts they come from, whether it is, you know, they're they're coming from a Chevron or a PG&E or whatever, uh, being able to understand those ICP of those accounts 
and the intent and how fit are these accounts to our to Sumo logic and this applies to the enterprise motion as well and basically calibrating those and scoring your leads and users based on all of these intent signals i would say though ian there is a big opportunity i think for the industry to go further into ai and ai is a buzzword but what i really mean by that is there is uh, each buyer is different the patterns on the internet is different how do you how do you apply pattern recognition and um, treat those folks that are hand raisers differently and for a faster for accelerating a land so so there are uh, the industry is evolving there but we need to it's a, it's a big area of growth i would say as digital is taking the forefront of of the entire marketing and sales that's going to become more important for us let's go to the playbook this is what's great about sports this is what the greatest thing about sports is you play to win the game hello you play to win the game this is our segment where you can open up that playbook and talk about the tactics that help you win can you give us three channels or tactics that are your uncuttable budget items <laughs> yeah of course you probably already guessed uh, digital's definitely one uncuttable and for all the reasons we talked about not only for net new acquisition but also driving brand loyalty and customer success the second one i would say is on the enterprise segment you know again account based is also very buzzword but it's really oriented towards going deeper into these accounts we have a very sticky platform once you land on the platform our customers expand rapidly and it is not only within the same department but also across departments the cross selling becomes super important for us so that means that the your ability working with sales to get deeper and wider into the account will determine the success for you in the long run how quickly can you expand these accounts and then the third one i would say look uh, it ties back to digital i would say it's the it's the content buyers are all in a different stage whether they're in the educational stage or whether they're in the consideration phase or decision you need to be able to provide them with on demand just in time content to educate them and nurture them through this through their journey so it is easier said than done i focus a lot on how does the framework fit in for us for our customers for our prospects as we are trying to take the message out what is the next relevant step right so content becomes key for us so those three i would say are are uncuttable and so when you say digital are you talking about things like you, you mentioned uh with seo sem uh things like that is it that does that also include like digital ads and and of course yeah totally both organic and paid channels like even in paid it's uh, uh you know you have uh, social channels linkedin facebook twitter advertisements banner ads uh, display networks and i would say the website itself those are all so therein lies one of the challenges for the cmos right for today which is your instinct is to ask for a return on on spend on these advertisements but sometimes they have a long tail you have to drive the brand awareness and and in the long run they're going to come back and give pay the returns and dividends so the attribution models today in the market again is is uh, 
they don't do justice for the marketing activities that you do in a first touch, last touch, multi-touch. None of those things reflect really what's happening behind the scenes. So I would say, uh, you know, you have to have those conversations, strategic conversations at the board level and continue driving that longer term brand awareness and carve out your budget and, and continue to drive that. Those should those should be always on. It's funny you say that. We can get into attribution here in a second because, you know, we always talk about like 13 impressions equals sale, you know, that sort of like kind of old adage. Well, it's like the display ad that floats around that, you you know, you may sort of more or less see, you know, whatever, but it's like a brand new company. You have no idea what this is. And it's a display ad that that's not a, that's not a brand awareness thing, right? Cause they didn't actually learn anything about you. Once they actually know who you are, then all of those impressions start to be like, man, I see Sumo Logic everywhere, right? It's like every every place I turn, I see their stuff. Those two things kind of speak to like this modern attribution where you need to have a long-term, you know, approach, especially when budget cycles, you know, can be a long time. When you have a super sticky product, like you said, it's like, hey, if you give us a year and a half, we're going to land all these people. But if you just think that we're going to do it for 90 days, like we're not even going to hit their budget cycle or we're not even going to, they're not even going to be able to onboard on the platform because, you know, whatever, you know, September is the busiest time of the year for these uh, security folks or, you know, they're all worried about getting, uh, you know, getting hacked over for Black Friday or something like that. Like there's all these like human centric things that are driving those actions, it's like, yeah, we're not going to onboard anyone on, you know, Thanksgiving week. So, you know, you can't have those misaligned expectations, but sometimes the board might seem to see a calendar as just a calendar and days as just days, you know? Yeah, totally. This is a great conversation. Uh, It's like attribution as to why people come to us. And the reasons for that is like black magic, right? So there is a variety of digital, physical influencer touch points that goes across the journey that basically ultimately results in that win and a conversion. So it's all very myopic today, which is you you look at first touch or a multi-touch or, you know, account based is very different. In, in fact, I've oriented my entire field marketing teams to accelerate pipeline. It's not about acquisition of pipeline, right? So it's helping sales drive those strategic accounts to close, which may take three months to 18 months. So that is the enterprise motion. So there the attribution becomes meaningless the, the way it, it exists today. So as a CMO, you have to you have to have that vision. You have to paint that blueprint and look at it as an aggregate. And picks points in time that are touch points with your user and a buyer. And those are what you measure your ROI against. I love that you said field marketing, accelerate pipe, not generate it. Because that is one of those things that I think, I don't know if that would be necessarily controversial, but I I do think that it would be something that maybe, I don't know, maybe sales would disagree with that. But, uh, but it is something where you know, once we've identified those folks, especially in an ABM scenario, we can do all sorts of things to bring speed into the equation, to bring depth into the equation, to really, you know, needle in onto what their specific problems are. But if you're sourcing that pipe, you're kind of just guessing, right? But once we know who you are, it's like, oh, well, now we can get like, oh, you want to 
You want an industry example of someone with your same amount of companies, with your same amount of employees, with XYZ, like we can create all sorts of things for them to engage on and, and market that to them. But if we have, you know, if we're trying to source that stuff, it might be a different conversation. Yeah, totally. So Ian, uh, for your listeners, I would encourage a CMO, that, a new CMO that goes into a company and, and try to adopt this. It requires, yeah, it requires um, collaboration. It requires um, it requires the trust and the relationship between marketing and sales. And not only at the CRO level, but the VPs of the regions, they have to see in spades the value and the power of having your marketing counterpart help your reps hit their goal. And it, it's really about acceleration. Marketing is doing a lot of things to drive new acquisition, but the field marketer, especially in the enterprise segment, it's a complex sale. They have to be able to do creative things to bring these prospects to the table. One of my favorite ones, uh, she's a rock star of a field marketer. Uh, Post-COVID, we've introduced this virtual insights forum. It's called a uh, virtual uh, gathering of, of mostly, um, you know, it's, it's a combination of customers and new logo, but those are all existing pipe, right? They benefit from having a rich conversation 20 people in that conference and sharing insights. And that has driven us a, a good amount of results. So those are the things that you need to look at. And, and if your field marketer is really focused on sourcing net new, you, it's a lost opportunity. You got to be able to pair up with your regions and uh, help move these pipe through the funnel. Yeah, you know, we do this a lot with podcasts, uh, with a lot of the podcasts we create, and we talk about this all the time about how putting customers and prospects together makes a much more dynamic thing. And a lot of times, and it's something we talk about on the show about how desperately marketers want to be involved and control the conversation. But when you step back and you just let them have the conversation, your products and services will come up. They will be, you know, talked about. Yes, you can put a nice bow on those things. But at the end of the day, if you want the nice bow, like they can go download your case study, right? Like they can go look at the way you represent your company anytime they want. <laughs> they can't go look at like honest, non... Um, Non-biased, yeah. Yeah, non-biased takes on that, right? Yeah, totally. You know, we did a survey to some of these. Uh, we've done a variety of events, uh, very close-knit, small venue events. And, and the respondents were all came back and said, you know, look, the, the most valuable thing for us was to hear our peers talk about their experiences and with the challenges that we have. It's true, even in customer advisory boards, you have your champions come there and, and the biggest value for them is to learn from the peers. So it's sort of the same, the same idea that a net new prospect, if they hear from a customer as to how great your product or a service is, they're, much, they're, they're going to believe it much more than you pitching it to them. Well, you know, we just uh, released a, a new episode of, of this show. I don't, I don't know if you've heard it with uh, with Michael King from VMware, but he talked about um, the idea that, you know, your customer thinks about you for 20 minutes every quarter or every year, you know? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> right? And I think that that's, that is so true. that's part of the thing, right? It's like we, we create these conferences, we create these things, we create all this stuff to talk about us, right? And like at the end of the day, they can hear about us by scheduling a call with sales. Like, they, you know, anytime they want. They can hear us talk about us all they want, you know. Totally, totally. And I think uh, one of the things that 
a lot of marketers miss is sure you have all of these tactics and how do you get to um, your users and it's it, there's a playbook there but ultimately the folks that are going to win are how do you drive empathy emotions and have a lot of care for these folks that you're trying to market to what is it that they want and you're going to win if you deeply understand what they care about and what they do and show a lot of empathy this goes along the same line and give them a venue for how they can learn about you in a in a non-traditional way do you have any favorite campaigns that you've had over the last five years oh boy um a lot of them you know the personalization of the web based on the personas based on the buyer's journey what stage there in the buyer's journey it's sort of a digital campaign it's not just about the web it's it's anything that happens pre and post so we are seeing a ton of success there um we want to take that to the next level and incorporate some of the empathy and emotions in it as well. So it's a very hard challenge. Um, when you have a static website, it's hard to personalize it. So our digital campaigns are definitely um, pushing the edge for us. Another thing that uh, that we were talking about before the episode is you all have had a podcast for a while, Masters of Data, which is really cool. And I, I suggest um, our listeners go check it out because uh, it's something that... Um, is is well done and and I we know it's hard to do because we do this for a living. But you know why was that something that you decided to take on a couple of years ago? Yeah, absolutely, great, great point. Precisely, I think uh, the conversation around the awareness and the emotion kind of feeds into it as well. So when you're trying to command a position in the market, you have to be a thought leader. That means that you're a thought leader if you're relating to other thought leaders. The idea there was we would bring on uh, folks from from a variety of uh, disciplines that have all done wonders with uh, by utilizing some form of data and analytics. And they, they, they all bring in different perspective from life sciences to transportation or whatnot. So so bring them in and, and have an engaging conversation. And this is something, this is a give from Sumologic to, to the rest of the community in terms of what the industry trends are, how data is revolutionizing, how it's transforming companies and, and lives even. So that is something that with a purpose of awareness and thought leadership and something to give back to the community. And yeah, go, please go check it out. It's Masters of Data under Sumologic. Yeah, you know, and one of those things, obviously, we we focus a ton of time on thinking about podcasts, but I think it that idea that you said of making something for the community, not not making something for yourself. And like, it's a huge distinction, but you see a much more genuine approach. If the approach is like, let's make something really great for the community that, you know, has the underpinnings of people who believe in the same future that we believe, you'll be on the right track. If it's like, Let's figure out a vehicle that can talk about our products and features. It's like nobody's going to listen to that. Absolutely. I think something very similar to what you're doing yeah, uh, on this podcast. And, and it's, a, it's, a, it's a give to all of the aspiring marketers out there. So what about one thing that you've, uh, you've done over the past couple of years that is, is your cuttable budget item, something that you, you might not be investing in going forward or something that you're not really sure about? <laughs> there is a lot of them uh, you know uh the whole area around content syndication um 
and hoping that you're you're syndicating your content and starting to nurture them right away and and hoping that we'll convert to the pipeline is a fool's hardy. So you have to be able to identify those things, especially in B2B space, and cut them. So so that's one. The second one I would say is that you have to not that the big large events will go away. They'll always be there. But you gotta look at it for what it is. You have to you have to look at it more from the perspective of educational. Let's give the users that show up at your booth something. Educate, drive your awareness, and, and they're going to come back. It's about the, the flywheel concept. It's, they're going to come back to you at, at some point in time. So, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's something we would do, but for a measured reason. Let's get to our next segment, the dust-up. Uh-oh. Here comes trouble. You may have heard that there was a dust-up involving yours truly. And now we've got a wild scrum with fights breaking out all over the place. And it is getting really ugly. As we've got punches and kicks. This is where we talk about healthy tension, whether that's with your board, your sales team, your competitors, or anyone else. Have you had a memorable dust-up in your career? A lot of them. I don't know, Ian, if, if any of these are memorable. Uh, I would say, you know, sometimes... Uh, the depth of conversation uh, we're having around marketing and what it is that we do, it's very hard for folks that are not in marketing to understand that. They would rather have you put up a Formula One racing sponsorship or a big golf event. It's not going to fetch you much. It's uh, We are talking about a strategic framework. So yeah, the folks, uh, you know, have had uh, healthy tension with folks that uh, that would think that you should be marketing with this Formula One racing. So the way I would address that is basically through through data and explain to them it's it's much more than getting a spike and getting a, getting 50 people uh, aware of uh, Sumo Logic. I think you can do a, you can do that a lot more cheaper ways uh, than than uh, than driving some of these uh, uh, sponsorships. I love that. The dust up over the, uh, hey, we don't need to sponsor the Formula One car is the great, <laughs> is a great one because uh, that is something that I guarantee you uh, every CMO has had to deal with. It's like, hey, let's just sponsor the biggest, shiniest possible thing. And, and we've had, you know, we've had people talk about how those totally can work if they're done the right way. Sure, sure. And, and conversely, uh, they can they can totally not work. Yeah. Yeah, and they think that you know that's one way to drive uh, you know highly qualified pipeline. No, it's not. Uh, it's <laughs> uh, to your point. It's the if you're engineering it more so from a deal acceleration standpoint and bringing it together. Like we have an event where uh, it's a Iron Chef uh, cooking event in a virtual setting. So uh, with highly qualified prospects that are in the funnel. Sure, that works. It's a give to them, but being able to go do a flashy thing because somebody else is doing it. So that is something every CMO will have to deal with. So just be prepared for that. Go in with your data. Don't be afraid. Well, I think those things speak to like customer journey and customer experience more than anything, right? It's like, hey, we invest in getting, you know, season tickets to the Warriors and to get a box, not so that we can just like come in and, and you know, try to get new logos it's like we invest in this because like we want to give you know tickets out to the box suite to our you know best customers who spend a lot of money with us like it's a very different mindset there but i think that customers appreciate that sort of stuff like 
then you don't have to come in and sit there and have sales conversations about why I should buy. But you, but that's what sales wants, you know. So it's tough. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it's it's a much more genuine relationship. You're you're investing in that relationship, and that's what it is all about. Okay, let's get into our quick hits. These are quick questions and quick answers, just like conversational marketing with qualified.com. Qualified prospects are on your website right now, and you can talk to them quickly with qualified.com. Quick and easy, just like these questions. Are you ready, Suku? Let's do it. Number one, have there been a hobby or habit that you have picked up in shelter in place? Absolutely. Um, my son introduced me to this, um, my 16-year-old. Uh, uh, I've started road biking. Uh, second is um, my team makes fun of me. They, they say I have a green thumb. I've started building side yard fence, and my handyman skills are really, really showing. Um, and I think <laughs> those two are permanent change, which is uh, I'll be a road biker for life, I think, uh, if if everything goes right. So That's great. I heard someone say the other day that uh, COVID has lasted so long that I lost a bunch of weight and then gained it all back. <laughs> uh, uh, if you weren't in marketing, what do you think you'd be doing? Oh, wow. Um, I would be hedge fund guy. I love numbers. I love to predict. Um, I love to invest in things that I deeply know, and I love to take bets on it. So I would be a hedge fund hedge, hedge fund manager. What's your best advice for a CMO that's trying to figure out their demand gen strategy for the first time? I would say three things. First and foremost, look, your job as a CMO goes back to the beginning of this conversation is to drive revenue. Never lose sight of the fact. Don't go for vanity metrics. Keep your eyes on the ball with revenue, which is the hardest thing to do for a lot of CMOs, but do that with the help of your counterpart in sales. Second, marketing is not a, you know, any playbook you give, you, you have to apply it and adapt it to your situation. So the only way to do that is fail often, fail fast. It's funny that uh, I have several uh, weekly meetings with different groups in the team, and they know they have to give me a bad news in the beginning. So that means that if they're not failing, it's a red flag for me. Um, and and third is have empathy. Have empathy for your customers. Think of think of a journey. Try and fix the buyer's journey with a consistent messaging, consistent experience. You're gonna uh, your results are gonna show for itself in the long run. What's next for Sumo Logic? Look, we are in the in a in a space that is hot. Um, it's fast growing, and I'm super excited with where we are. Um, IPO is 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 a milestone. Um, it's it's a point in time, but there is tremendous opportunity for us. Uh, the three markets that we talked about. It's about uh, continuing the the fast growth that we have, and and be the de facto continuous intelligence platform for our customers. Suka, this has been awesome. Thanks for joining. Thanks for uh, for giving great answers here and, and giving us an insight here. Any uh, any final thoughts? Anything uh, to plug? No, that's uh, go check out what we do at sumologic.com. Um, and it's a, it's a very simple service that you can try. And um, let us know how, how the insights work for you. And for for the fellow listeners, you know, have fun with this whole process. 
um, have fun with it and don't 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 be too serious <laughs> indeed awesome take care and Ian it's been a pleasure thank you for having me yeah thanks for joining Mangen Visionaries is brought to you by our friends at qualified.com a conversational marketing company that's on a mission to transform the way b2b companies sell go to qualified.com to learn more